Welcome to the Alchematics On Air podcast, where we cover a range of business management and recruitment topics, from understanding cybersecurity issues to how to manage and engage with remote working employees more effectively. The world of work is changing. Please join us to stay informed on current commercial thinking and new world business practices. Okay, so welcome to the second Alchematics Lunch and Learn session. Uh, today we're going to be discussing interviewing and onboarding in the new world. If you've attended the first session, you know that we, we tend to keep these introductions quite brief. So I'll just say that obviously I'm, I'm joined by my good friend and managing director of Alcon Maddox, Richard Ritchie. And uh, everyone say hi to everyone, Rich. Morning, everyone. Or afternoon, everyone. It is afternoon. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's get straight into it then, Gareth. Um, before we look specifically at interviewing and onboarding, tell me, how are we defining the new world? Well, Rich, I think, like, like many people, we're, we're seeing the new world with regards to the, the impact that the pandemic has had. So there's an acceptance in the service, service sector and certainly in the, the kind of normal office environment. Um, the remote working that the pandemic has forced on, on the, the, the global community um, is going to continue. Um, um, there's a, a number of research articles have demonstrated that there was this kind of movement towards this more flexible or, or uh, remote working, um, but the, the effect of the pandemic is that has really moved on kind of a, a decade. Um, but I've got to say, Rich, you know, a number of the people that I'm talking to um, in, in the HR world are highlighting that when the the pandemic restrictions are removed there's definitely an appetite to balance their time between remote working and time in the office so don't you think that a 100 percent virtual workplace will dominate the future i don't i don't i think there are a few companies that will work um 100 virtually but i think the vast majority you're going to be looking to to strike this kind of balance. Um, one of the things that's, that's come up in a lot of the discussions that I've been having is this, the impact that it's having on people working remotely continuously. So I think that a lot of companies will be looking from the point of view of the mental and physical health of, of their employees. But I think that's probably a, a topic for a future discussion. And obviously, what we will be seeing over the course of the, the, the next kind of 12 to 18 months is a continued increase in the amount of uh, virtual onboarding and, and recruitment that's going to need to, to take place. Yeah. Okay. But before we get into the recruitment, I just want to mention something quick. I had a conversation with a friend of mine who works at Google in uh, uh, San Francisco over the weekend, and he explained a really interesting dynamic that's taking place there. Um, obviously, a lot of these companies in Silicon Valley, um, you know, a lot of people want to move and uh, work for these companies because of the hands, right? Like Facebook, for example. Um, the part of the culture of the company is yeah, where, where they're working. Now they're forced into a situation whereby they, they don't have access to this campus, if you like. Um, what's interesting is that in a lot of Oxford's companies have had to let stuff go, reducing wages to maintain some kind of business normality. Um, people at these organizations are actually trying to negotiate higher wages based on the fact that the reason they first joined these companies, i.e. The, the culture, the campus they have access to, is no longer available and, and will likely be less available to them in the future. I just thought that was an interesting dynamic that seems to be emerging in, uh, in uh, Bali. 
It is. That's fascinating. I mean, it, it's the, the value proposition that the employees get in from the, the company. And I think that, that that kind of reinforces what I was saying there with regards to companies looking for a balance between remote working and office working, particularly when a large part of their kind of company or commercial identity is based on mm. pulling employees together in those those massive campuses, et cetera, that, that, that Google have. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I still think that from, from the HR professional's perspective, there's going to need to be a continued focus on um, the, the, the practices that we employ when we look at virtual recruitment and, and virtual onboarding. Yeah, okay, so, so let's look at recruitment first then. Tell me, what, tell me a bit more about this. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna make a few assumptions with regards to the, 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 the listeners today. And, and obviously there's probably groups. Um, we're, we're probably talking to some people that are involved as recruiters and, and some that will be looking at more from the point of view of being the interviewee, they're, they're, they're looking for roles. So I think that one of the things that I, would, I would get across is I think that there's, there's probably a likelihood that the bad practices that occur in face-to-face -face interviewing currently could spill over into the virtual world. So I think it's really important mm -hmm. if you look at interviewing, we understand what we're trying to do, what we're trying to achieve. We're not trying to trip people up. Ultimately, we want to get a good understanding of the person that's, that's sat in front of us. Now, typically, mm -hmm. when you're interviewing a candidate, their CV has got them there. Their CV yeah. has highlighted their education, their experience, etc. And based on, on those factors, you've made the decision that that individual could do the job. The interview itself is ultimately about establishing whether or not they're going to fit within your organization and they're going to fit mm -hmm. with your management style or the team that you're looking to, to, to put them in. Um, I mean, when, when we launched uh, Credit Safe in the UK in 2002, we, we did it with um, a, a, a mind that we, we wanted to make sure that the, the, the group we had was quite diverse. So we, we actively encouraged our interviewers to adopt this, this mindset of avoiding what we use, it's a fantastic term, homosocial reproduction. And we took that, we took that term from a, a book called Funky Business. And ultimately what it talks about is when you're, when you're interviewing, you can obviously fall into a situation whereby if somebody is very much like you, you'll, mm. you'll, you'll have a rapport with them, you're gonna like them, and there's an increased likelihood that you're gonna, you're gonna take them on. So it's about being very clear about the, the sort of candidate that you need for the role that you're, that you're hiring for. Um, the, the, other thing, the other thing that comes up in, in a lot of discussions that I have with, uh, within the HR community is this, this kind of old school interviewing technique where people are pressure tested and that kind of thing. Um, I remember yeah. once somebody that um, had, he, he was very proud of the, the interview um, that he just conducted for a receptionist and placed that person under an enormous amount of, of stress within the interview process in the pressure test kind of environment. And you're just thinking, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that take place in these face-to-face -face interviews that just aren't needed. And the, the problem yeah. here is that when you're in that virtual world, those, those kind of ridiculous practices are gonna be emphasized because people will have more time to question why they, they, they're going through a certain process, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we, 
we, we talked the other day about some of the, the other factors um, with regards to the, the kind of virtual interviewing. And one of the things that really strikes me is that when you're in a face-to-face -face interview situation and you've got the candidate turns up to your office, they have that opportunity to essentially taste what it's going to be like working for your company. They walk into the building, they see, they see other people that are working there, maybe interact with, with one or two, meet the receptionist, get the opportunity to maybe take a coffee and, and, and sit there observing what's going on in the office. Suddenly, in the mm -hmm. virtual world, all of that is lost. So we've got to be very yeah. mindful that the interview process itself becomes slightly different in as much as maybe we have to sell the company. We've got to give that, that candidate an understanding of what it means to work for our business. So suddenly the interviewer's becomes slightly more difficult. We're not just there mm. to assess the candidate, we're also there to make sure that they want to work for us. Um, it's a very good point, the fact that, that because obviously working in the recruitment business, that's, that's essentially all we do is, is sell companies um, to candidates, right? Uh, especially when we're looking at passive candidates rather than people that are actively looking for a new role. So again, having for us to gain that deeper understanding of a, a company setup, why someone would work for them um, is critical. But as to enable, to enable us to do our job, but yeah, 100%, I can see why perhaps in the past there's almost this, um, it can certainly be an element of complacency when someone's coming to your office. The assumption is, look, you can see how great we are, clearly you want to work with us, you're taking time of your day to come and be interviewed. It, it's almost like a, an assumption that the power lies totally with the employer, the interviewer, rather than the interviewer. When, when like I say, this, this dynamic shifts slightly in the virtual world because now you're 100% correct. I agree with that. Um, we have to sell our businesses a, a lot more. And, and perhaps um, the way that's done, the people that are responsible for selling it, be those that be they the hiring managers or maybe even the HR team, maybe not used to doing that. Absolutely, absolutely, because we're, like you said, we're, we've, we've been used to that almost happening, for want of a better word, accidentally. You know, we've, we've all been in that situation, yeah. <laughs> excuse me, where as the interviewer, you're running from meeting to meeting, maybe you, you need to buy yourself a few minutes. So you encourage the, hmm. the to sit there with a cup of coffee and, and by the time you're actually sat in that interview, they've already got a, a, a pretty good picture of what it means to work for your organization. All of that is lost. Yeah. So we've got to be, within the interview process, we've got to be far more structured. We've got to make sure that we're, we're prepared and ready to go on time. But also, like you said, that, yeah. that, that dynamic shift, we've got to make sure that the, the people that are conducting these interviews have that skill set, that they have the ability to sell the organization that, that you work for. Um, another, another key Let's fact, uh, sorry, Rich. Yeah, no, no, I was going to say, let's, let's kind of roll it forward and start talking, talking about the process from the interviewer's perspective then. So, I mean, one of the, one of the key things that I think happens um, within the virtual world is suddenly, again, coming back to this dynamic shift, the, the candidate is not in your office. You're being invited into their world. The yeah. interview, typically, they're, they're going to be sat in their living room. And I think... I'm, I'm not sure, Rich, if your, your HR um, 
network in in Dubai it gets the same sort of magazines as we do from the CIPD in the UK but there's a fantastic article I don't know if you you can see this uh, fantastic article covered on the front page of this this month's people management where they they talk okay. about the conscious bias that can that can occur um, and uh, within that within that picture that you saw there you've got this this individual is being interviewed there's a rocking horse in the background and the question it's obviously slightly exaggerated but the question is mm -hmm. in your mind are you thinking hang on a second this role that I'm interviewing this person for is quite high pressured and there's a lot of responsibility that rocking rocking horse suggests that this person's got children now obviously the situation we find ourselves in with regards to homeschooling and, and that kind of thing is this person going to be able to provide the focus that I yeah. need role well of course how can we make that assumption based off a, a fleeting glance at something on a, on a video but it will happen so i think yeah. when we talk about the development of the skill sets that are required in this virtual world we've already highlighted mm. this, this kind of increased importance on being able to sell the organization understanding and managing your own kind of biases within the interview process is going to be key um, yeah, the, the, it's definitely see how that uh, it, it influences everybody. It, we, whether we like it or not, we all pass fleeting judgments over people um, based on what we see uh, in the background. But then the question, question then, does that does that imply that uh, virtual backgrounds should be used or plain backgrounds well, like that have? Yeah. I mean, if we if we flip this on his head and we look at it from the interviewee's perspective there's a there's another uh, kind of i guess golden nugget of information there because as the interviewee we understand that the interviewer may have these unconscious biases so we need to take that into account we need to make yeah. sure that when we're, when we're looking at our say again sorry so we could stage the background of our apartments to suit the uh what we believe is going to appeal to the interviewer. <laughs> well, you know, you, you you laugh about that. I I'm I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure if the the listeners will have will have seen this, but there's a there's a fantastic clip on YouTube recently, um, and it, it's an interview of sorts. It's an audition. So you've got this uh, this yeah. this guy who's being auditioned for a, a a part in a in a film. Now, there's there's two two lessons that you that you learn from uh, from this video clip. And one is with regards to the bias that can that can actually predominate. So the interviewer is looking at the the the, the, the auditionee, sorry, and starts passing comment on the, the the guy's flat and how how poor quality this flat is. Um. So yeah. so first, there's there's an example of this this bias that we're talking about. Secondly, and a very important factor when you're conducting these virtual interviews is understand the technology because he's making these comments mm. with the microphone turned on. So the machine yeah. suddenly is sat there listening to this kind of critique of the, the flat that he lives in. He reacts in a, in a wonderful way. Um, but as an interviewer, these are these are things that we've we've got to get used to in within this 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 virtual world. You've got to make sure the, the equipment and the technology that you're working with is something that you're conversant with and yet you're going to be able to use effectively. 
you need to have that ability to sell your organization and you need to be aware of and try to manage that unconscious bias that is overwhelmingly going to be there. Um, so talk to us, there's another thing when we, when we had this discussion last week, and that was regarding um, timekeeping as well. Yeah, so the, so the, the fact that these now conduct, there's less flexibility, right? Well, this is the thing. I mean, we were, we were talking about it just now, weren't we? You know, in, in the office, you've got that, you've got that, I guess, luxury of being able to say to someone, look, I'm really sorry, I'm going to be a few minutes, grab a coffee, take a seat over there, take a walk around the office. You don't have that now. That person is scheduled mm -hmm. with you, you're being invited into their world. We've, the other thing we've got to think of here, I mean, we've, um, we, we spoke about the, the skills of the, the interviewer in selling the organization. But as much mm -hmm. as there's conscious bias associated with the interviewer and what they can see, they'll be exactly the same from the, the candidate. So yeah. when, the, when the interview is being conducted, the person that's, that is engaged in that interview, they need to think about the environment that they're interviewing from as well. Are we, are we actually sat in the office when we're conducting these interviews? Are we at home? Because that's going to give an indication to the individual as to the, the, the sort of people they're going to be working with within the, mm. within the organization. I mean, again, kind of flipping it on his head and looking at it from the, the interviewee standpoint, because again, I'm, I'm assuming some of your, your listeners will be coming from that perspective. Um, yeah. Talked about the, the background. Other little mm -hmm. things that we need to manage, you know, if, if, if houses are shared or you live with family, et cetera, making sure that people understand the, the, the process that you're about to go through so you don't have interruptions, making sure that uh, the pets aren't diving around in the background, anything that could be a distraction and potentially impact the, the way the interview is kind of perceiving you is going to be, is going to be key. And when you yeah. look at uh, a number of interviews will require some sort of presentation. Again, mm -hmm. I would always emphasize practice, practice, practice. So understand the technology you're going to be working with. If your presentation is yeah. going to be point, et cetera, make sure that you understand how to share that. And finally, I guess, as with any interview, whether it's virtual or face-to-face, -face, it's so important that interviewees do their homework, understand the company that you, you, you're interviewing with, understand the role that you're interviewing for, and marry that with your experience and your, your qualifications. Make sure you're selling yourself in the, the, the best way possible. Yeah, 100%. The, so we've got a couple of uh, questions that I'll come up just a um, So Steve has a question regarding um, personality profiling. What, what, what is the role of personality profiling in, uh, yeah, in this virtual world? Okay. Um, I'll be completely honest, and again, some of your some of your listeners may not agree with me. Um, I really don't like personality profiling within an interview process, uh, whether that mm -hmm. be physical, you know, the normal interview, or the virtual world, mm -hmm. because I think it becomes it be it becomes a bit of a distraction. Um, I mean, let me ask you this question, Rich: Have, have you have you ever? Been engaged in a personality profiling exercise? Yes, I have a, a number of them, but to be honest, they weren't at the point of 
job application. They were um, they were as part of a leadership development team um, so that we can understand our, our peers and, uh, and, and form a stronger, tighter unit. Not at the interview stage. I agree with you. I don't. I've been required to review these things to interview staff in organisations I worked with in the past, but in all honesty, I've pushed them to one side because I don't believe they give me what I need. Um, they, they, they help me when it comes to um, managing someone or working with someone, but from a, whether or not someone's going to get the job or not, I, I haven't seen the value. I mean, I, I, I think I would echo exactly what you've said. I, I certainly see value in the use of personality profiling when you're, you're in role, and certainly with, mm. with leadership teams, I think that it, it can help with understanding communication and how maybe you need to amend your communication to, uh, to, to kind of better hit the mark with others. Um, but with regards to interviewing and using it as any sort of sifting tool, I just think it's quite dangerous. Because I think you can you can actually lose very good candidates or or um, see less value in candidates because of some perception that's formed as a result of a few boxes that they've ticked on a, on a personality profile. So to the to the, the the individual that asked the question, I think that personality profiling does it have a place? Yes. Um, not within the interview process certainly when uh, when people are engaged and you're looking at improving the dynamic within the organization hmm. so there's another question um from caroline and this is regarding the number of people um in interview panels so again keeping the theme is in the, okay. the virtual world obviously yeah would you have five people on one in this kind of situation Again, it's, it's, it's dependent on the role that you're that you're interviewing for. I think that I think that you can you can certainly include panels, but what I would say, I mean, as as we're seeing here today, when when you're involved in um, virtual discussion, it's very nice to be able to see everybody's face. Now, certain technology doesn't allow large numbers to to stay on the screen simultaneously, and I think that can become a little bit off-putting if you're not seeing the, the faces of the people that are interviewing. Um, yeah. One one thing that that people may want to consider. I'm really conscious of time as well because we we're, we're still on interview yeah. and we're 25 minutes in. But I mean, one of the one of the things that um, you can consider is instead of having a large panels, is you can explain mm. to the interviewee that the interview will be recorded and will be reviewed by a number of others within a panel, so that the yeah. interviewer can be slightly more um, intimate, and then yeah. you. you still give other people the opportunity to make assessment okay makes sense okay yeah in, you're right in the interest of time let's um let's skip ahead now to uh onboarding give me a bit of background to this girl so i mean in in credit safe over the course of um the pandemic period we've onboarded probably around 31 people um and we we've gone through some challenges i mean we we had uh, we'd launched a new entity in a, in a new country um four months before the pandemic hit so we mm. had maybe two or three people that we'd we'd hired pre-pandemic and after that everybody has been hired virtually has been onboarded virtually and it's, it's been a really steep learning curve for us because again i mean there, there are so many parallels with the, the the interview and the recruitment dynamic you're so mm. used to having that opportunity to bring people into the office sit down with them have that conversation about what it means to work for for the company 
then take them on a tour of the, the offices and, and again, kind of socialize them and, and, and allow them to understand what the culture is about and give them the opportunity to, to, to just go out and kind of almost do it on their own. You've got a, a, a structured element and then you've got an open element where people can go out and socialize with, with people within the organization. Suddenly overnight, we've lost that. We've lost yeah. that ability to the water cooler conversations. You know, that I think when you when you look at the magic of onboarding, people know the role that they're coming into. If you've if you've got the good the, the, the good candidate, their CV is highlighted that they've got the experience and the qualifications. The interviewer suggested that they're gonna fit in within the within the, the, the organization. They know their role. Socializing is the most important part of the, the onboarding process. So suddenly we've lost a lot of a lot of the, the, the flexibility associated with that. I mean, I'm going to again assume that all of the listeners that are involved in onboarding have a structure in place with regards to bringing people into the, the organization. And it's not too difficult to transition tutorial sessions to e-learning or virtual. Um, virtual. Sorry, I'll just interrupt. Um, Simon just mentioned something in the comments. Um, he said, what, what is your experience with Petra Kutcher? So just to, just to clarify, for those who haven't um, used Petra Kutcher uh, as part of the onboarding process, Petra Kutcher is a, um, uh, I think it's Japanese, uh, but essentially what it is, is, a, is a short presentation, 20 slides, each 20 seconds. Uh, so you've got about four minutes to essentially explain who you are uh, and, it, and it's visual. So each slide is a different picture representing something from your past, be it your childhood, with job experiences, hobbies, and the idea being this is a, a we've used it in businesses I've worked in the past, and I think it's a fantastic way to um, expose yourself to some extent, if you give the term, um, just, to, just to give people a bit of insight into um, who you are, where you're from, and how you're made up, if that makes sense. Um, you know, mm -hmm. you talk about the fact that socializing, we don't have it in the onboarding in the new world. I think this perhaps could be something that would really help break the barriers in the early stages because it gives you a, a very quick insight into who someone is and immediately gives you a, a access to, okay, how I may be able to relate to this person. Does that, does that make sense? It certainly does. And, and I mean, to your, your point, Rich, I think it's a, it's a, It's a good process and it, it encourages people to share. Um, mm -hmm. Issue for me is that obviously, if you're an introvert, being <laughs> joining an organization, um, you know, imagine I, I, it's going to be incredibly difficult for you as the extrovert that I know that you are, but imagine yourself as an introvert and walk into an organization virtually and the uh, the onboarder saying okay here's what you're going to do we want 20 slides that expose us to your your innermost workings and the secrets of your life mm. how come are you with that not very so i think that the concept the concept definitely works i think that it's just about making sure that the the briefing is mm. maybe tailored to the to the group that you're working with um I just think there's almost an, a, 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 and perhaps this is the extrovert in me saying this, but don't you think even if you are an interview, you have to accommodate such things? 
in this day and age because how else can someone be expected to get to, to, get to know you? Or yeah, is that absolutely. just me? <laughs> so no, no, no. The, the, the thing is that we've, we've, got to, we've got to be mindful of the fact that there are going to be people that, that would take a lot longer to warm up to a group of people. So I think that what you can do is just loosen the, the brief slightly around Petrocuture and, and just give people the opportunity to, to comment on things that people should know about them, for instance. It's just subtle, subtle variations in the sort of language that's used to make sure that mm. people feel comfortable and engaging in the exercise. I mean, the, the, the thing is, I think that, again, looking at the time, we're, we, we're really kind of close to the mark now, but I think that when you, when you look at when you look at the onboarding process in the virtual world, I would say that the key kind of things to consider, one is an increased emphasis on structure and time management, making sure that the process is, is, is well oiled. Um, ensuring that new starters are clearly signposted as to what they need to accomplish over the course of their first five to seven days. Um, preparing meetings and, and facilitating those meetings with key personnel. Again, from a, person, uh, a socialization perspective, making sure that they know who to go to and for what. Um, mm. And a, a, I would say the final thing that I would, I would really emphasize is having somebody owning that person's induction. Because yeah. of the fact that it's virtual, I would, I would always suggest at least a daily check-in, ideally first thing in the morning and, and last thing at night, just to gauge and understand how their, their induction day has gone and to see where yeah. they may um, there may be need for sort of amendment of the, the schedule for, for future days. And we've overrun. And that's why I apologize. We just have one question I do want to cover before we go, because I think it's quite important. Um, Sarah wrote this uh, right even before the session. I'll just read it out to you um, because I gave her an insight into what we we're going to be discussing today. She says, um, We're a startup, we don't have the resource for the kind of structure that you've just uh, endorsed. So what can we do? Okay. Um, it's a difficult one because, I mean, the, the, the induction process and the onboarding process does require some level of resource. So I think what, what you, you need to look at there is where you can where you can create opportunities for the individual to learn about the organisation without that interaction with people. So it's, it's making sure that you've got good, good kind of documentation, good um, uh, recruitment um, websites and that kind of stuff where you, you, you're highlighting what the organization is about so that you can put that, that individual in a position whereby they can learn and then you can check in with them afterwards. So you're reducing the, the kind of human resource element during mm -hmm. the, the onboarding and induction. Okay, perfect. Listen, thank you very much for your time today, Gareth. It's been extremely insightful for me as I hope it was for some of our listeners. Thanks very much for the questions, guys. Um, we'll be back here next month. Uh, I think next month we'll be discussing slightly more sales focus, but that will be a focus on uh, selling via video conference. So, hope you join us. See you next month, guys.